0: So appreciate the stories of God's grace and for the bold testimony that Josh just declared that there is life in Jesus. And I want to invite you, not do you know what a Christian is or do you know about Jesus, but have you trusted in him, as Josh just declared, trust in Jesus, that Jesus can do in our life and will do in our life what no one else can do, or will do. And if you have to take that step of obedience of publicly declaring it, uh, for many folks, it's hard to stand up here and to do what Josh just did, to read a testimony and to share. That's frightening, like scare you out of your mind, right? And and I have a sense that maybe some are like, ah, I have trusted in Jesus, but never done that because I've been afraid. I hope what you just saw was an encouragement. Don't let your fear stop you from obeying the Lord Jesus in baptism. It was a great, great reflection of humility and courage and trust in the Lord. So really, really encouraged by that and hope you are as well and that you would look to Jesus to be your Savior and to be your Lord as well. Take your Bible with me if you have one, uh, whether hard copy or on a device, and open to Ephesians chapter 6 with me. We are in this section in this letter that we've been in for well over a year now. Uh, that tells us that we're at war, not a, not a war like's going on in Ukraine, but we're at war right now, right here in a manner that we cannot see. It's a spiritual warfare. We have a real unseen enemy who hates us and wants to destroy us personally, wants to destroy our families, and wants to destroy the church. And all you have to do is watch a little bit and listen a little bit to see That he's effective, he's good at what he does, at destroying. And so we want to be on alert to the reality that we have an enemy. Don't go casual and thinking, eh, I'll be all right. You won't be. We have an enemy who wants to destroy us. And so the scripture in Ephesians 6 teaches us to be people who can stand against an enemy who wants to destroy us, that we can stand firm in our faith and we can continue to be his instruments for the gospel advancing in this community and to the ends of the earth. We can, but it won't just happen naturally. We must in. Engage in what the scripture calls putting on the armor of God. And part of that is learning to pray. In the verse that we looked at last week, verse 18, he connected how we might pray in regards to this spiritual war- warfare. He says, with all prayer and petition. Pray when at all times, how in the spirit and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. We pray because we're at war and God Almighty says, I will help you if you'll ask me, if you'll pray. You see, it says pray all the time, but we don't pray all the time. I don't pray all the time. I recognize there's a need for me to pray more. And so, if you missed last week, try to boil it down to this. I'll pray more when two things happen. First, I'll pray more when I genuinely believe God works in response to prayer. Do you believe that? See... I I, I know we think, well, I should believe that, but do we believe that God works in response to our asking in ways that He would not have had we not asked? Do we believe that? I do. Jesus said six times in the upper room ask me and I will do. Ask me in my name and I will do it. I'm going to work in response to your asking. So, Having taught that last week, super encouraged to receive this email from one of our members this week. They simply say, I was doing a Zoom call with a student who had a medical issue that was very debilitating. She shared she had gone to multiple doctors and done a lot of testing, but they hadn't been able to help her. Uh, For some of you may go, oh, that sounds like a Bible story. I know, which is true. I asked her our member said, I asked her, could I pray for her? She said, yeah. After I finished, she told me she felt something move inside of her body while I was praying. This past Friday night, she sent me a voicemail to tell me she has been completely healed. Now, you may be thinking, I don't know about that. No, she had been to multiple doctors. Nobody could help her. She prayed and one prayed with her, and she is completely healed. This is her final statement. This is what I hope will encourage you. She was blown away that God chose to heal her in response to our prayer. That's the sort of thing that encourages me to pray more. And I hope you as well. God works in response. To prayer. The more I believe that, quite frankly, the more I'll pray. The less I believe it, the less I'll pray. So I pray more when I believe that God moves in response to prayer. And I pray more about what I care about. I don't have to convince you to pray about stuff you care about. That you'll do. It's stuff that you don't care about that you think you should pray about that you go, that's the hard part. If you care about something, you pray about it. Which leads us to the two verses that we're going to look at in Ephesians 6 today. Ephesians six nineteen and 20. Because we're going to find out what the author of this letter, Paul, cares about. Because he, he fills out, if you will, a prayer request card for us. Like you have in the seat back in front of you. Or like Tracy just talked about. You can push a button online if you're watching. To say, please pray for me. He fills out a prayer request card and sends it in. And we learn about what he cares about because we pray about what we care about. So he says, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So, what's he ask prayer for? Pretty simply, his prayer requests are this. Here's what I need. I need God-given words. Pray for me that there would be utterance given to me. Lord, give me words. And have you ever asked, Lord, give me words? yeah that's a great prayer request lord give me words that's what paul prayed for give me utterance he asked god-given words second he asked lord that i would make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel the reality of the mystery of the gospel is it can make it at times challenging to share It's simple enough for a child to understand, but sometimes the smartest people on the earth don't get it. Isn't that interesting? And so he's going, I need God-given words and clarity to make a mystery clear, the gospel. And then he asked for this twice, boldness. Pray that I'll be bold in sharing the gospel. So all three requests revolve around the speaking of the gospel. I want it to be God-given words. I want it to be clear because it's a mystery and I need to make that mystery clear. And I need to be bold, courageous, confident with it. Now, why is he asking for these requests? Well, the text tells us he asks for these requests for these two reasons. His circumstances are he is an ambassador of Christ. That's how he identifies himself in the text. He says, Pray these things, because I'm an ambassador of Christ. And what else is true about his circumstance? He's the text says he's in chains. Meaning, actually, he's in prison. He's in prison for sharing the gospel, and he's asking for courage and boldness and clarity to share the gospel that got him in prison. So those are his circumstances. Now, what do we pray about? What we care about. You all agree with that, right? Yeah. Okay, we pray about what we care. Clearly, what does Paul care about? Cares about sharing the gospel. And I want to, as I meditated on this text, ask myself, what's the heart behind this? We, For years, I shared, uh, served as an elder with a man named Ward Rainey. Ward is with the Lord now. But I could always count on an interview, whether it was a staff member, a potential new elder, or a deacon here at the chapel, Ward would almost always ask in an interview one of two questions. How can I pray for you? Or, so what are you praying about right now in your life? And at first, I think, I used to think, oh, Ward's such a good elder, he wants to pray with this person. And I I do think he did. But that's actually, I learned, not why he asked. He asked, how can I pray for you? And what are you praying about? Why? Yeah, he wanted to learn, what do you really care about? What's really important to you? So ask yourself, what do you, what do you care about enough to pray about? And does the sharing of the gospel make your prayer requestless? That's what's challenging to me. I, I, we pray about what we care about. My experience is oftentimes we don't have what comes out of Paul's heart here is a care about sharing the gospel that's what came out on his prayer request. When he filled out his connect card, this was first on his mind. Why? Why? Here's why, I think. First, this heart behind this request is he has a commitment to remain true to, and I use this word intentionally, his identity as an ambassador of Christ. Now, before we talk about an ambassador of Christ. Let's talk about identity. In other words, at core, how do I see myself? What is my identity? Is it is my identity I'm a pastor? Is your identity that you're a banker? Is my identity that I'm a dad or now a granddad? I don't want that one to be true because that would make me old, so I'll stay with dad. What's your identity? In other words, what is it that you go, this defines me? And I think that's an important question for this reason. Watch the rationale. I pray about what I care about, and I care about what defines me. What I believe defines me. So, what do I believe defines me. Oftentimes, when we're young, we look in the mirror, and what we see in the mirror defines us. Our looks. That's why it's hard to get old. Seriously, you may think, oh, seriously? Yeah. I think looks or often, what people have their identity in. And it makes old getting hard and cosmetic surgery really appealing. (laughs) I mean, why else? Why else would that be true other than that our identity is in how we look? Now you think, oh, wow, that's super personal. Oh, it's our identity. Or our identity can be if we have kids and our kids and who they are and how they turn out. That's why it's devastating at times when kids run off the rails because that's like my report card. My identity is in how they turn out. Or for so many men, our identity is in what we do. What we do well. It's weird. Our identity is in what we do well, and then we can't wait to retire. <laughs> and then we don't retire well because who am I now that I don't do what I always did? And I, I, You may go, wow, you're like getting really deep here. I am. I'm asking you to look into your heart and go, what's your identity wrapped up in? How do you? What defines you? And the problem, really, the and Josh, you called it. When our identity gets wrapped up in what I do, or how I look, or other people, none of that's going to last. And then I find myself, ooh, empty and confused and searching. It's what sometimes gets called a midlife crisis. Like, who am I in? What's my life defined by? Why does that matter? Because we pray about what we care about and we care about the things that and define us. And so, when I talk about a commitment to remain true to my identity as ambassador of Christ, here's what I realize. I will never, and you with me, we will never become committed to praying about the sharing of the gospel until we see that our identity is in Christ and Christ alone Amen. until then it's just something I feel like I should do and feel really guilty and bad about myself when I don't do it you with me yeah. uh, 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 and so the goal <laughs> the goal uh, uh, you're gonna feel like uh, sharing the gospel he's gonna grab my arm spinning around and push it high up my back so I go, okay, okay, I'll pray about it tomorrow. <laughs> but that's not, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about who am I? And who I am that can never be taken away is a child of God. And who am I that can never be taken away and that will never change in the mirror is forgiven and set free from slavery to sin. And who am I that will never fade away and will, age won't take me away? Is it, I'm an instrument of God for more people finding more life in Jesus. See, if I have one prayer this morning for us, it's that we would increasingly find our identity and who we are in Christ versus what we look like, what we do, and what we've accumulated. Because all that stuff is just going to fade away. But who I am in Christ will never be taken away. And when that's my identity, then I will care about what he cares about, and then I'll pray what he prays about. And sharing of the gospel will not be something that, oh, I know I should do more, and I feel guilty that I don't. It will be who I am. Not, not... An occupation for some. See, when, when we see the Apostle Paul, a commitment to remain true to his identity as ambassador of Christ, it's easy to think, oh, well, that was because he was an apostle. Of course, he was committed to that, that was his job. So, who are by identity, not occupation, Who are by identity ambassadors of Christ? Uh, I think we all are. When Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, oh, first of all, let me define it. An ambassador. This helps me. A representative of the kingdom to which I belong to the kingdom in which I live. That's what an ambassador is. I belong to one kingdom, but I live in another. But I live in this one as a representative of the one to which I belong. You see? As an ambassador, I am in Christ. I'm a citizen of heaven, but I am on the planet as a citizen of the U.S. So I live as a citizen of the U.S. as a representative, as a child of God. So that's why Paul says baptism. What the world? <laughs> <laughs> that's good to keep me on my toes. Therefore, Paul says, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This is our message. Be reconciled to God. We, who's the we? (laughs) It's not just Paul and his team. It's, let me make it super simple for us, hopefully. Here's what makes me an ambassador. The spirit of God lives in me. In other words, I belong to him. I am his representative. I once was part of the kingdom of darkness, now I'm part of the kingdom of light once was an enemy of God, now I'm a child of God. I now belong to God, and his spirit lives in me. But guess what else? I'm not in heaven. In heaven, will I, be, will I be an ambassador of Christ? No. I will be in the kingdom to which I belong. Once I get to heaven, I get to take my ambassador of Christ hat off. But until then, what makes me an ambassador, watch, what makes me an ambassador is this. The Spirit of God lives me, and I'm still on the planet. I live in a kingdom to which I no longer belong. So if you live in a kingdom that you no longer belong, you're an ambassador of Christ. If the Spirit of God dwells in you, and by everything I could tell, you're still on the planet. You're an ambassador of Christ. We're done when we go home. Uh, Until then, we have one appeal. Be reconciled to God. That is my identity. And when I grow in understanding, and when you with me grow. See, it's not my identity because of my occupation. It's my identity because of who I am in Christ. We'll see this in a moment. It's not my occupation. It's who I am in Christ. And as when I embrace that, and when you embrace that, I am ambassador of Christ. That's my identity. Then I'll care about sharing the gospel. And if I care about sharing the gospel, I'll, I'll pray about it. If I'm not praying about it, I don't care about it. If I don't care about it, it's probably an indication of my identity is elsewhere. So I know that's a deep dive into your heart. I hope you'll hear what the Lord has to say to you in your identity. Because out of our heart flows life. Second, we see from Paul this perspective but difficult circumstances are actually gospel opportunities. Difficult circumstances. This is what comes out in his prayer. Difficult circumstances are actually gospel opportunities. They're not roadblocks that must be removed. I think, I think when I come to this text, this is what stands out to me most. His view, his perspective on his circumstances. This isn't rocket science. All of us, I think, would be inclined. If you're in prison, all right? If you're in prison and I give you a prayer request card, say, hey, how do you want the chapel to pray for you? Probably at the top of the list is (laughs) get me out. Pray I get out of here. Especially if you are there for doing right things. Okay? Now if you did wrong things and you're serving your time uh, that's changing. But if you're there as Paul's there for doing right things if you're in prison for doing right things and you ask me hey pray for me you go number one get me out of here and maybe you don't find it compelling, I do, that it doesn't show up in his prayer request. Now, would it be wrong? Lord, get me out of here. No, 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 it wouldn't be wrong. It just shows me that his perspective was simply this. My circumstances are not that important as it relates to my identity. See, once I understand my identity in Christ, that identity can translate to whatever the circumstance. He's going, "Pray that I'll be clear and bold with the gospel, God-given words, because I'm an ambassador of Christ. That's my identity, and I'm in chains. That's my circumstance." What's yours? See, because it's not just difficult circumstances, it's just all circumstance. It helped me to go, okay, I'm an ambassador in Christ, not in chains. Thank you, Lord. I'm an ambassador in Christ in Fruit Cove. That's, that's where I live. He lived in prison. I lived in Fruit Cove. <laughs> I'm an ambassador of Christ in Cypress Landing. That's my circumstance. What's yours? You're an ambassador in Christ in Bay Meadows or in Orange Park or Julian Creek, and you're an ambassador of Christ and Blue Cross. Those are your circumstances. And the prayer is, regardless of my circumstance, Lord, what? Give me words. Help me be clear and bold. So often we think, oh, if my circumstances were different, I could be an ambassador for Christ. If my circumstances were then I would share. When you're single, you think, well, if I was be married, then it'd be easier. And then you get married and you think, if I was single, it'd be easier. (laughs) (laughs) If I had kids, that would be easier. If I didn't have kids, that'd be easier, right? We always go, wow, it'd just be easier if my circumstance, if I had a godly boss, that'd be awesome. If I had an ungodly boss... Then I'd have somebody to share with. I mean, who am I, who am I supposed to share with? Um, like, Tony? Come on, Tony, get saved, our executive pastor. I need my elders to get saved. My bosses, it would be easier if my bosses were ungodly. It would be easier if your bosses were godly. <laughs> Don't you see that? I always just think it'd be, if my circumstances were changed, it'd be better. And Paul's perspective is this. Whatever my circumstances there are, they're opportunities for the gospel. When you're single, unique. When they're married, unique. When you have kids, unique. There was a time where our kids brought us gospel opportunities. Now there's a time that the fact that they're all married and gone, we have different gospel opportunities. They're just different. So uh, a man named John Schneider was a longtime member here. Uh, he was a doctor. And he had a long, he's with the Lord now, long journey with cancer. And what was so compelling to me about John was his commitment to say, I will never call my journey with cancer my battle with cancer. Really? Why not, John? Because those are cancer is god 's chosen circumstance for me i 'm not going to battle it i 'm going to make the most of it that 's pretty powerful. see it 's all nice and theoretical when we talk about a guy a couple thousand years ago in a prison. but when it 's a guy who sat in the seat where you sit and, and endured cancer, it wasn't fast it was. Well, it was supposed to be fast, but the Lord gave him more time, years. And he simply concluded, and you've heard this theoretically, but I watched it live out. He's like, if I'm not dead, the Lord's not done. And he genuinely believed that. And he was like, now, did he ever ask the Lord to heal him? Sure. We prayed with him, prayed for him. He prayed, asked the Lord for healing. Why? Not because he was battling against cancer. If I'm not dead, <laughs> the Lord's not done. But as long as he had cancer, he simply went, I have opportunity for the gospel with people I'd never have opportunity with the gospel apart from. And I have a hearing regarding the gospel that others would never have a hearing with because they don't know, you don't know, you're not dying of cancer. Yeah, I am. He could say that I am. And I have been. And I'm not fighting it. That's a pretty powerful perspective, isn't it? So, I'm asking you. What's your circumstance? That's, I know, normal and then what's well, hard about it? Does it need to change? No. No. Is it all right to ask the Lord to change it? Sure. But you don't need it to change for the Lord to use you for who you are. Your identity is not in your health. Your identity is not in the length of your life. Your identity is in Christ. And as long as I'm alive, he's not done. When I'm dead, I'm done (laughs) Uh, being an ambassador because now I'm in the kingdom to which I belong. You see how that works? See, it starts with my identity, and then that powerfully informs a perspective in my life. And so I know, I know that some of you are in difficult circumstances in your marriage. It's a gospel opportunity. Some of you are in difficult circumstances with your job. It's a gospel opportunity. And difficult circumstances with your kids. It's a gospel opportunity. Lord, grant us perspective. In Philippians 1, Paul writes from prison, my circumstances have led to the greater advancement of the gospel. It wasn't that, ah, the Lord still was able to use it. No. Paul saw, actually, it's greater that I'm in prison because it's making other people more bold, not more scared. That's in Philippians 1 if you want to read it. Awesome perspective. Gospel opportunity. So I don't know yours. And I'm not minimizing them. I'm just saying, they don't need to change. You can ask the Lord to change. That's not wrong. If you're sick, you can ask the Lord to heal you. If you're single, you can ask the Lord to give you a spouse. If you don't have kids, you can ask the Lord for kids. If you do have kids, you can't ask the Lord to kill them. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> But you can ask the Lord, change your circumstances. Just don't get locked in to that. my circumstances need to change in order for me to be who God intended me to be. Actually, he intends you to be who he made you to be in whatever place he sovereignly has chosen to put you. Praise the Lord for that. So he has a commitment to his identity, a perspective of seizing whatever the opportunity for that identity. Here it was in Philippians 1. I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. How good is that? And then he has this dependence upon God to speak through him. This was his first request. Would there be utterance given to me? A dependence upon God. God, speak through me. God, give me words. Verse 19, pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth. You see, I love this. He's saying, my role here will be to do what? Open my mouth. Lord, I'm asking you to give some good words to it. But in the opening of my mouth, I'm asking you, Lord, why do we need the Lord to speak through us as it relates to the gospel? For simply this reason, friends. The natural mind will never get the supernatural gospel. The natural mind is never going to get the supernatural gospel. So what do we need? We need God to supernaturally speak. Here's the way Paul says it to the Corinthians. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. In other words... (laughs) Until we receive the gospel and are born again, it just doesn't make any sense. That's foolish. How could one die dying a couple thousand years ago? How could that somehow save me now? That's stupidity. Who would believe such foolishness? That's what it sounds like. But to us who are being saved, we go, it's the power of God. Really, how many of you heard the gospel words before you received the gospel multiple times, you heard it before you received it. That was true for me. Why didn't we the first time we hear it, we go, oh, because there's hearing it and there is hearing it. (laughs) There's the truth of it. And then God opening our heart and speaking life into death. And giving sight to the blind was for spiritually blind. It doesn't make sense. Unless God speaks to us. The gospel is simple. What's the gospel? God loves me and made me for a relationship with him. But my sin has separated me from him. He's a holy God, and I'm a sinful man, and I cannot be in relationship with him. But Christ paid for that sin. He took that sin that separated you and I from our God. He took it upon himself. So that if we would believe in him, we who were made for God would be reconciled to God, restored to God. Those that's the simple gospel. That wasn't hard to explain. I didn't use any big words for you to go, hmm, I don't really get that. But somehow, simple words don't make sense until those simple words are spoken by the power of God. So for some, right now, The gospel is still foolishness. For many, you're going, "Mm, it's the power of God that saved me. That was your testimony, Josh. It was foolishness and became the power of God that saved me. That's why he later writes in that same chapter, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus. It's by his doing. It was God speaking speaking to you through someone who opened their mouth. So, open my mouth, but God, I need you to speak. This was Paul's, this is why he writes. This is all in one passage here in the beginning of 1 Corinthians. My message and my preaching not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. You see, it's so easy to think, man, how, how's my best friend going to come to Christ? Or how's that coworker going to come to Christ? Him, you know, give me a good illustration. Or do you have a book I could read that would like, make it super clear to them? Yeah, I have like a jillion books that would make it super clear. Except the power is not in the book. The power is in the demonstration of the spirit that takes blind eyes and all of a sudden says, see, and to dead hearts and says, live. Maybe you don't understand, but that is the truth as ambassadors of Christ that we have a message, be reconciled to God, that you don't need to be persuasive. You don't need to be a dynamic communicator. You don't need to be the smartest person in the room. You don't need to be able to answer every argument and every protest to the gospel that's ever been thought of. We think, oh, we can't share until I'm the smartest, best equipped person in the room. It's just not true. Because when people come to Christ, it's by... His doing when I do what? Open my mouth. Because this is... There's this funny thing that I can't say. Uh, There's this funny thing that God doesn't speak through me until I open my mouth. Maybe you thought, why doesn't God ever speak through me? Well... You'd probably have to speak for that to happen. I can't do that. You don't have to be powerful. Persuasive. You can be scared out of your mind. And present it like a child. And God can speak. You ever ever actually watch a Billy Graham gospel presentation? It's like. Super simple. It was the power of God. Choosing to use that man. So ultimately, what do we really need? If it's the power of God for people who will open their mouth, what do we need? What's he pray for twice? <laughs> Lord, I need boldness. 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 I think too many times we think, no, I need, like, good answers. I need training. I need to defeat people in their arguments. I guess there's a place for debate. But most times I see debate dividing, not convincing. When a debate happens, people just get entrenched in their position. So it's not about, oh, I need to have all these answers. It's, Lord, I need you to speak. For that to happen, I need to open my mouth. And for me to open my mouth, I need boldness, courage. How many of you would go, I need courage? Okay, keep your hand up. Be bold. Keep your hand up. (laughs) Okay, first of all, I just want you to look around and go, If you thought you were the only chicken on the planet. (laughs) Sometimes that we think. Sometimes, uh, you see, I have my hand up. Sometimes we look at some people and go, oh, they share because they don't need to be bold. In fact, the hardest thing for me in this text was, Paul, come on, you don't need boldness. I'm not praying for you to be bold. You're like the boldest dude I've ever read about. (laughs) Do you know what you think about? He seems like he is really bold. Why would we need to pray about it? Then new thought maybe he's so bold because he, you see, you guys are just smarter than me. You knew it all. I didn't ever, it was like the old, "Why you don't need head and shoulders, you don't have dandruff. Remember that commercial? It was like, uh, if you don't forget it, it was a stupid comment. <laughs> the point is, I think he was bold because he was so committed to ask the Lord, make me bold. And we think he was bold because he was bold. Almost all of us raised our hand. We need boldness. But truth be told, how many of us have asked the Lord this weekend, make us bold with the gospel? Yeah. Okay, we have like five hands there. You see what I'm saying? We know we need to be bold. But we often don't ask the Lord to make us bold. And this text was a good reminder. Am I saying, oh, well, I ask the Lord to make me bold every day. Well, I have since I've been teaching, uh, studying the passage. <laughs> See, this works in my life as well. If I want to make the most of gospel opportunities... Whatever my circumstances are, I need to pray about it. Lord, help me see it, and then speak clearly. Be bold, because it's you. Whether I speak clearly or not, it's the Lord speaks. It's the power of God, and it'll radically change a life. See, I love, I love what happens in the opening chapters in the book of Acts. The church is born. The apostles are sharing the gospel. People are hearing the gospel. God is speaking through them. People, by God's doing, are getting saved. And people don't like it, and so they arrest the guys speaking. In this case, in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John. They arrest them and they spend the night in jail for speaking the gospel. And the next day they realize, we don't have anything to keep them. (laughs) But they grab them and they go, you need to stop and if you don't stop and then they threaten them. And then release them. So if you've been threatened with your life and your freedom for sharing the gospel, and then you're sent out again, you're sent home, what do you go do? <laughs> yeah, No, 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 what, do you, what would you do if you were a super, superhero? Uh, what do you go do? I love what they went and did. They went and they shared their prayer request with the church. And here's what they prayed. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with confidence, boldness. While you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Watch. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Wherever there's a sharing of the gospel, opportunity, regardless of the circumstance, what's the prayer? Lord, take note of it. Here's my circumstance. What's the prayer? Make me bold. I need boldness. You've already admitted it. You, you agree. That's on your prayer request. So let's ask the Lord, stand with me. We usually don't stand when we pray, but I want us to stand. If You have trusted in Jesus to be your Savior. The Spirit of God lives where? In me. Where do you live on this planet? So that what, what's that make you? An ambassador of Christ. So Lord, there's a bunch of ambassadors in a bunch of different circumstances. Make us bold. Would you speak that to the Lord right now. Lord, make me bold. Lord, make me bold. That we might speak as we ought to speak of the gospel. Let's declare this together in song.
1: the world, and oh, Holy Spirit, move in our hearts, fill us with fire, and love for the world, your compassion for the lost, love that sends you to the cross. that and encourages you that you are empowered to go wherever you're going to go now or wherever you're going to go tomorrow. The Lord has purposed that. He's placed you where you're going to be and he's empowered us to speak. And then it's his work that does it. So I hope we go and just let's boldly proclaim wherever God can do that. And if we can pray for you in any way, really it is our privilege. Let's pray one-on-one if you'd like someone to do that. We have men and women available after every service between uh, the two auditoriums. Uh, I'd be happy to pray with you if you want to come up here. Don't leave here. If you need prayer, let someone pray with you. It's our privilege to do that. It's what we do as the body of Christ. So I hope you have a great rest of the day. Be blessed. We'll see you next time.